0: the man who how would you finish that sentence welcome to through the bible today our journey with dr j Vernon mcgee takes us to psalm 32 where we'll hear king david finish the sentence in a very powerful way i'm steve schwetz welcoming you aboard the bible bus for another great adventure in god's word so while you grab your seat and get comfortable i want to share an email that we recently received from harry he lives in bullard texas I've been listening for more than 30 years. When I started a new job making deliveries from Waco to the Dallas-Fort Worth area, I happened to hear through the Bible. As I listened, I realized I wanted to change my life, get away from the drugs I was taking. That's when I met a truck driver named Dan, who happened to have lived a similar life to mine until he gave his life to the Lord. On March 6, 1987, in the cab of a pickup truck, Dan quoted Revelation 3.20, and I bowed my head and asked Jesus into my life. My life has not been the same since that moment. I went home to my wife and told her what happened. She was intrigued, but it would lead us apart because of the differences in my life without drugs and alcohol. And the friends we had were still welcome in our home, but I asked them not to bring drugs with them. The strain in our marriage lasted three months until my wife was convicted and turned her life over to the Lord. At Dan's urging, we joined a church, and I was baptized. I now volunteer to drive the church bus on Sunday mornings to pick up and take home children from church. I'm grateful for my small part in ministry through that bus and for my seat on your Bible bus. Life is a journey, and Dr. McGee's simple and clear teaching of God's Word makes it so much easier to navigate the roads we travel. Isn't that a great letter? And Harry, thanks for sharing your story and for doing your part in the bus driving at the church. It's a pleasure to have you hop aboard the Bible bus with us each day. Now, is God doing something in your life as we study His Word together? Well, you know we'd love to hear your stories. You can email them to BibleBus at ttb.org. You can also post it on our Facebook page or send it in the mail to Box 7100. Pasadena, California, 91109. In Canada, Box 25325, London, Ontario, N6C, 6B1. That's BibleBus at ttb.org or our phone number, one 800 bible And let's pray for each other now. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Your word that points us to you. Like Harry, Lord, we pray that many will hear your name through today's study and then seek you for life itself. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Let's turn to Psalm 32 and 33 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee.
1: Now, last time, friends, we put down the foundation for this very wonderful but very brief 32nd Psalm. And the introduction was about as long as the Psalm will be, but we felt it was very important. And there were two things that we call your attention to. First of all, it's a masculine Psalm. It's a Psalm of instruction. And that means that in this psalm, David is giving us instruction. And the second thing was that it is not a penitential psalm. And it's been classed as that. But David's prayer of confession, his repentance, is recorded in the 51st psalm. Now, in that repentance, he said, Lord, if you do forgive me and restore me, I will instruct, I will teach transgressors. Now, that's what he's doing in the 32nd Psalm. He's teaching us. So it's not a penitential psalm, but it's a psalm of instruction. And it, therefore, should hit a very happy note. In fact, it begins with that. And you have here in verse 1, Psalm 32 now, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Now, you see, he's instructing us here. What he's uh, attempting to do is he's telling us here of the fact that he's been forgiven and that he had made his confession and he'd received forgiveness and there was complete restoration and he found shelter in God and he was given a song of deliverance. All of this is here. Blessed is he. Now, that word blessed, again, is the word happy. Ashrei, the Hebrew. We have had that one time before, way back in the first psalm, and that opens the book of Psalms. Blessed is the man. Happy is the man. Now, the blessedness that was in that first psalm, that was the blessedness that only a perfect man can enjoy. Believe me, I don't know about you, but I'm not perfect. And it speaks actually of the Lord Jesus he was the perfect man. Blessed is the man that walketh not, that standeth not, that sitteth not. But then it tells what he does. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And that law condemns us, it didn't condemn him at all. Now, the law written in commandments and ordinances cannot give man blessedness. It demands a perfect obedience which man cannot obtain and it does pronounce a curse on him. Galatians 3.10, "'Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things written in the book of the law to do them.'" And There's no man that can honestly stand up and say that he measures up. Now, if you do, you can ask the Lord Jesus to move over from the right hand of God, that that's your seat, and for him to sit on the left-hand side, that you want the right-hand side because you are perfect. Well, you are not and I'm not, but he is. Now, that's a blessedness. Happy is that man. Well, now, what about here is a blessedness, here, and a happiness. And what kind is it? Christ died for our sin. And in his blessed death, as the substitute of sinners, he met and satisfied the righteousness of God so that the Holy God can now be a just God and a Savior, he can be just and the justifier of all those who believe in Jesus. Now, therefore, when faith is exercised in him, it's counted for righteousness. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. And it's recorded that way. Now, in this way, thousands of Old Testament believers going back and beginning with Abraham, and even before they were saved in anticipation of the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what is this we have here? We have here the blessedness of a man whose sin has been forgiven. You know what kind of happiness that is? You know what joy that is? And now, here is a very wonderful thing as we open this psalm. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, and covered by the blood of Christ. Now, blessed is the man, happy is the man, unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no God. Now, he doesn't impute sin, doesn't make sin. Over to the sinner who trusts Christ. That sin was put on Christ. And he's been delivered for our offenses, raised for our justification. He knew no sin, but he was made sin for us, that we might be made righteousness of God in him. What a wonderful thing. And so David relates his experience here, how he tried to hide his sin, how he kept silence. Listen to him now. When I kept silence, my bones became old through my roaring all the day long. David sat on the throne. And he looked around over that crowd. and He said, I think he smacked his lips and said, nobody here knows. <laughs> nobody knows about my sin. I've got it pretty well hidden. But he says, my conscience bothered me. And even I had a bone ache. His bones even bothered him. And he began to lose weight. And the friends around him became uneasy. They felt that he needed to go see the doctor, that he probably was suffering from some great disease. And then what did he do? Well, he kept just going through that. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. And if you're a child of God, you can sin, but you can't get by with it. That's the difference. The man in the world will get by with it. That is, temporarily. Temporarily. But the child of God can't get by with it, even temporarily. You remember, Paul says, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But what if we don't judge ourselves? Well, we're going to be judged. He'll deal with it. He takes his own child to the woodshed. One day, that man, Nathan, came in and says, got a little story to tell you, David. David says, well, I like a good story, and it's a lull in state business. What is it? So he told David his story. My David got worked up over that because he felt it was a true story. And he thought, where's the man in my kingdom that would do that? And this red-headed king stood up, and he was going to execute the man that would do a thing like that. Take another man's little ewe lamb and slay it. Leave that poor man in poverty. And Nathan pointed the finger. David said, who's the man? And Nathan said, thou art the man. You are the one. No numbers up, brother. (laughs) You are the one. And David confessed it. Listen to him. Verse 5, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hidden. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. This is good instruction here for you and me, is it not? you out of fellowship with God today, and you wonder the way back. This is instruction for us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, notice here how wonderful it is to have a hiding place. Actually, all of us need a blanket, not the one in the little cartoon Peanuts. He has a blanket, but all of us need a hiding place, place that we can go. And he speaks of it here, that God is his refuge in a hiding place. Let me read verse 6. For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in the time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nearer unto him. Now, you remember, and I think he's referring back here to Noah. Remember, Noah was in the ark when the flood came. And the very flood that destroyed the others just lifted him up because he was in the ark. And the waters of judgment couldn't reach him. Now, there's coming another time of great judgment upon this earth. It won't be water, it'll be fire this next time. We're told it's a time of darkness, though, and of trouble. And it's a wonderful revelation that we have here. Now, what can you do in a time like this? Thou art my hiding place. Today, do you need a hiding place? Well, God's your hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Selah. Stop, looking, and listen is what that means. Think it over. It's a musical rest. And I have a notion that the orchestra didn't play at this time and the chorus didn't sing. It was a time of silence that you could think things over. Think it over, friend. You lost fellowship with him. You need a hiding place? Now he says, verse 8, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I'll guide thee with mine eye, God says. And you've got to be very close to the Lord if he's going to guide you with his eye. Now, here to me is humor in the Bible. But it's good humor. He says, Be ye not like the horse or like the mule that have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. This is really humorous. And I think you could write this verse, which I've done, over the little book of Esther, which teaches the providence of God. A lot of Christians today do not know what it is to, I'm looking for a word, and I'm not sure what it is. I almost feel like saying, they do not orbit in the will of God. They are way out yonder in space, and God's going to guide them. You're not afloat in space, my friend. By His providence, He'll overrule you. And therefore, that's like putting a bit in a mule's mouth. Old hard-headed mule, why, you have to guide him. And a man was telling years ago down in Texas, I heard him tell this story, was a preacher. He said that he acted as if this really happened to him. I don't think it did, but it's a good story. Nevertheless, he said he was this in a man, and this man had a mule, one of his little donkeys. And he hitched him up, and they were going to go out and visit somebody. And he said that before they got in the wagon, he reached in the wagon, took out a 2 before, went up in front, and he hit this mule on the head, and then came back and put it in the wagon. And he said, why in the world do you do that? He says, I do that to get his attention. Friends, there are a lot of us like that today. And the Scripture uses that expression, says, don't be like a mule, let God instruct you. And we need that kind of instruction today. And it closes on the high note, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. And really and truly, whoever you are, wherever you are, however you are right now, just can't you lift your heart in great joy to God? Now we come in Psalm 33, we come to an orphanic psalm, an orphan psalm, and we see here the inner experiences of the righteous, and I think that this psalm reveals praise to God. We find the praises of a redeemed people, and the praise of his word, and of his work in creation, and the praises for those. And we have for the first time the mention of musical instruments that were used. We've had it in the introduction before, but here it's in the psalm itself. And we read now, this is an orphanic psalm, which means we do not know the author. This is the one psalm in this little segment of psalms David did not write. "'Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous!' For praise is befitting to the upright. Now, here's a psalm of praise, to rejoice in the presence of God. When I said that David didn't write it, I should not have put it quite like that. We don't know who wrote it. David could have written this one. Now, will you notice? Praise the Lord with the harp. Sing unto him with a psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. Now, that instrument of ten strings is a wonderful instrument. These guitars today that are being used in music and being brought in the church, not one of them has ten strings on it. When anybody learns to play an instrument of ten strings, I say, let's bring it in the church. But until you can play on that many, I don't care who you are. I'm not sure it should be brought in. The harp and the psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto him a new song. And what is that new song? I'd like to spend time with this, but I'm not going to be able to spend time with it. But several of the psalms talk about a new song that is coming up. And I think that when we get to the time of that new song, there's going to be a new singer. I'm going to have a new body. Then I think I'll be able to sing. I want to. I hope the Lord will let me sing in heaven. Now, verse 9 of chapter 5. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book. To open the seals thereof. Thou was slain, hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Now, this song here is a song praising God that he's the creator and that he's given us his word. But the new song coming up in heaven, we're going to sing because he is our redeemer. And then again, we find in Revelation 14, 3, And they sung, as it were, a new song before the throne, and so on. So that a new song is coming up, and we'll have some new singers then. I'm sure some of us that can't sing today will be in on that. Now we are told here, sing unto him a new song, play skillfully with a loud voice. And friends, I do believe if you're going to sing, you ought to be good at it before you get up before a group of people. Church music is in sad state today. I get around to many churches, and I think that a lot of folk ought not to be singing. And the second thing is, I think it ought to be a gift from the Lord. Now, it may not be that you're a trained musician, but you should be dead sure you're doing this for the profit, for the building up of the church. And unless it does that, it shouldn't be an exercise in futility of trying to hit high C when you can't even hit high A or B. Now, let's look at this very wonderful psalm that we have here as we move on in it. Now, we read that here they sing a song, For the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. The word of God and the works of God, and his works of creation. Now, will you notice verse 6, and here is a marvelous verse you want to know how God created the heavens and the earth? All right, this verse will tell you how. You may not know any more after I read it than you did before, but you'll at least know how God did it. Listen to this. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. You know, the word of God is powerful. I saw a demonstration of a singer that broke two or three glasses by hitting a high note. But God used his voice, not to destroy, but to create. And he spoke this universe that's in existence today just by his word. He said, let there be light. And you know, there's power in light. Electrical power is there. Electronic power. All kinds of power today. And you know how that all came into existence? God spoke. It's his word. Now, do you know any more than you did before? I don't, but I know God did it. That's the important thing. He tells us here how he did it. And now I must drop down in this psalm in verse 10. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the nations to naught. He maketh the devices of the people to no effect. I wish that we could put this verse up at the United Nations instead of the one they've got there. They got the wrong one there of beating swords into plowshares, because they're not doing much beating there. They're beating each other, but not uh, swords into plowshares. But this one would be great. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the nations to naught. Witness the past, the League of Nations. You remember that? And then even before the League of Nations, the Hague Conference on Peace, all of it came to naught. You want to know something? Now, I know I'll get letters of criticism on this, but the United Nations is coming to naught, friends, because they've left God out altogether. Now, here is a great verse, and I'd love to put this up in Washington. I'd like for the president to see it. Oh, the Congress ought to see this one. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. That ought to be put up up there somewhere, because it's nowhere around right now. Now, will you notice Verse 13, "...the Lord looketh from heaven, and beholdeth all the sons of man." He sees you. Verse 16, "...there is no king, save by the multitude of a host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength." Napoleon said that God is on the side of the greatest battalion. But he demonstrated he was wrong, (laughs) because at the Battle of Waterloo, he had the battalions, but he lost God is not on the side of the one that has the biggest bomb by any means. Now, will you notice here, This psalm goes on, verse 18, Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon those who fear him, upon those who hope in his mercy. How wonderful this is. And verse 21, For our heart shall rejoice in him, because we have trusted in his holy name. May I make a suggestion as we finish this broadcast today? Why don't you saturate yourself with the Psalms? Now, I'm going to say something that's not nice, but I'm going to say it. Instead of running around today, friends, attending all of these conferences to tell you about new methods of running the Sunday school and running the church and of doing this and that, why don't you stay home? And read the psalm. Get saturated with this portion of the Word of God, and it'll bring comfort to your heart, and it'll solve 99 and four-tenths percent of the problems that you and I have having today, and the church is having today. This is a rich area of the Word of God. Oh, how we need today to saturate ourselves with this particular section of the Word of God that it might become meaningful to us, might enter into our lives, might be translated into shoe leather today. And these Psalms get right down where the rubber meets the road. We'll see you on the Bible bus next time. May God richly bless you, my beloved.
0: saturate ourselves with the Psalms what a terrific suggestion you know today let's ask the Lord to bring his word to our minds so that whatever we're doing whether we're meditating on his word we will apply his truths to our lives Fixing breakfast refresh your mind with what you're learning walk into a business meeting maybe well clear your head for a moment and recite a verse that you're memorizing maybe you're watching your kids or grandkids game or performance thank the Lord in the moment Really now, wherever we are and whatever we're doing, we can take a moment and bring him with us. You know, another great suggestion to help saturate ourselves in the Psalms is to spend some time each day rereading the Psalms we just studied and then reading ahead for the next one. So tonight, why don't you review Psalms 32 and 33 and then read Psalms 34 and 35. Our daily reading schedule is always available to you. You can download it for free at ttb.org forward slash bookmark or call 1-800-65-BIBLE to have a copy sent to you. Again, that's ttb.org or 1-800-65-BIBLE. I'm Steve Schwetz, and I'll meet you back here next time. Through the Bible exists to take God's whole word to the whole world. And we invite you to stand with us with your faithful prayer and financial support. Where will God's word go today?